Jewish Latin Princess Episode 50, Shira Lankin-Sheps, founder of the Layers Project magazine. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. During her early 20s, she was diagnosed with a chronic illness that prevented her from doing all the things she loved as a wife, mother of Jewish children, and social worker. She suffered in silence until one day she hit the publish button to a blog post in which she shared her illness and struggles with the world. She let go of shame and went on a leap of faith, trusting that sharing her story would not only help her, but others as well. Indeed, it did. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to our 50th episode. I'm happy to be celebrating this milestone and joining me in this celebration is none other than the lovely Shira Lankin-Sheps. Shira is the creator of the Layers Project magazine. Through this online magazine, she hopes to bring healing, empathy, and a sense of community among Jewish women by sharing their stories of struggle and recovery. Her portraits communicate a shared human experience and bring light to those featured as well as to thousands of readers. Shira and I talk about the Layers Project, its mission, and practical details like how does she control the quality of the photography? How does she select the stories that she ends up publishing? How are people responding and how are these women's stories helping many others out there? And of course, Shira shares with us the entire personal journey that ultimately led to this beautiful project. Stay tuned to get a discount code to your monthly subscription of the Layers Project magazine. Here's the delightful Shira Lankin-Sheps. Shira Lankin-Sheps, my friend, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to be here and to talk about your new initiative, the Layers Project magazine, a beautiful project, and how you got there and so much more. So why don't we start first with what is the Layers Project magazine? So the Layers Project started um, exactly a year ago. Um, I am a social worker and a photographer, and I decided to combine my two passions in life. And I started um, a photojournalism based blog where I interviewed Jewish women talking about the challenges and triumphs um, of their life. Uh, we were tackling a lot of taboo topics that had never been really talked about in this kind of way, mm-hmm. um, finding them with these very intimate photos. Um, and when I say intimate, I mean, looking at someone in the eyes while they're telling you their story. It just mm. made realer. Um, the the blog took off. Um, and then this Hanukkah, um, on the second night of Hanukkah, we launched our um, Layers Project magazine. We found that, number one, there was so, so, so much of a response from the community that um, two, two things happened. First, <laughs> I could not keep up with the, um, I could not keep up with the response just by myself. I needed a team to come together, to work together. Um, and there were too many voices. There were too many people that had things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
the kind of singular, um, the profiles that we were doing was not enough. We, we wanted more voices. People had things to say and we wanted to share them. Wow. Why? It's, it's really what's happening, Shira. It's just amazing how women are coming together and really forming these communities of support, of empathy, of connection. And, 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 and you're, you're, you're facilitating this. So I think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it, to, you know, you talked about the response of the community. What has been some of the, the things that, stand out or that you see a thread coming from these responses? What is really very humbling um, is that the pieces that we share, the profiles, which are these interviews with the photographs, but also the essays, the personal narrative essays that are written by, um, by community women, Mm -hmm. uh, not writers, just women who have a story to tell. um, They're being received in the most fascinating way. For I have received hundreds upon hundreds of messages over the last year um, from women who have said to me, you know, Shira, um, I have never been able to articulate the way that I was feeling mm-hmm. like for, with our infertility series. Um, I literally had multiple messages from women who said, I've never been able to tell my loved ones what it was like for me to experience infertility. And when I was reading this profile, every single thing that she said resonated with me, validated my feelings. And I was able to send these profiles to my to my husband, to my parents, to my siblings, to my friends. And for the first time in my life, I'm getting the support that I've always needed because now they understand. Mm. It's Just- almost like by profiling one courageous person who is articulating this, we're giving a voice to thousands of others who with a shared experience. Absolutely. Um, just this just yesterday, I got a message from a woman who said to me that uh, prior to um, our because this month on the magazine, we're talking about the BRCA genetic mutation, mm-hmm. genetic mutation that causes ovarian cancer and breast cancer that's extremely prevalent. It's like one in 40 Ashkenazi Jewish women um, will have the BRCA gene as opposed to one in 500 in the general population. Um and I had a woman who reached out to me saying, before before you started this month's theme, I, I just got my um, testing for the BRCA gene and I just found out that I'm BRCA positive. And I've been reading the content on the magazine this month and it's helped me tremendously to process and understand and validate my feelings and look forward to the future and also learn about my options. And that was just so validating um, because, you know, when we reach out, and we stand up and we're authentic and we're honest and we share real things right. and we break down stigma about taboo topics that don't need to be taboo. Um, not only we, we just bust the doors wide open to connection um, and healing across the board personally in our communities. Um, and that's what we're seeking to do. Wow. You just reminded me, I, you know, I had on episode 30, I had Stacy Middleman. She wrote the book, Dear uh, dear cancer loves Stacy. She has, she's a BRCA gene, um, carrier and she's a survivor twice. Uh, she has a fascinating story. So I guess I'll connect you. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. So if you were to say the mission of the magazine, um, how would you state it? The mission of the magazine is to create in-depth insights into the lives of Jewish women to, um, flesh flesh out our stories from becoming one denom- one dimensional to three dimensional characters. Mm-hmm. So very 
often Jewish women are kind of portrayed as just like, you know, the wig and maybe a tichel and just kind of flat characters. We're not, we're not the, we're not usually the protagonist in the story. Um, and Jewish women have so much inner life. Um, and so there's so much to us. And so the purpose is to flesh that out um, and to really create a community of connection and healing through honesty and authenticity. It's, it's the, the initiative was also to create um, an authentic space on, on social media. Social media um, is typically so uh, fake. There are all these facades that we put up in our social media. Right. We post the, the happy pictures, but we don't, we don't post the mess. We crap out the mess. Um, Life isn't insta-perfect. Life is messy. Life is complicated. Life is hard. Yes. Um, then when we can be honest about what makes our lives messy, complicated, and hard, we also can talk about what makes our lives beautiful. Um, and that can be strengthening for us to can take control over our own narratives, not to become victimized by our challenges because they're stigmatized by our communities. Um, and it also can be cathartic for the audience um, because regardless of what you're experiencing in life, everybody's dealing with something that's challenging. Exactly. And um, when you don't have to be dealing with infertility to gain something from the infertility series, because when you see that woman and she tells you how she deals with her challenges and the meaning that she makes of it and how resilient she is, um, then you can learn from her resilience and apply it back to your own life. And that's basically what we're trying to do. You talk about challenges, Shira, and I understand that truth in truth, this project came from your own personal challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What what was the impetus, the initial impetus? Yeah, I like to say that the Layers Project was born um, from a place of pain and my need to make meaning of it. Um, basically, when I was 23... Perhaps 23, 24, um, I, be I began to develop a kind of like a chronic illness that continued to get progressively worse over the span of five years to the point where at the end um, I was bed bound and terrified of living and terribly ashamed, terribly ashamed of being ill. Were you married uh, at this point already? Yeah, I was married with two kids. Okay. Yes. Is this illness like... Are you healed? Is this something that's going to continue for life? No, no, no. I, well, I'll tell you the story. So basically, I got all these different diagnoses that okay. were never resolving into anything correct. Um, and I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was, again, like I said, I was very ashamed of being sick. I am a perfectionist. And, um, and I like to, I'm very independent. I like to do everything myself and I like to be strong and I like to support others. I'm a nurturer by nature. Um, and all of these things were taken, illness took all these things away from me um, in terms of my strength, my physical strength. And it kind of stripped me down. Um, it stripped my personality down to its barest parts. Um, and I had to learn who I really was on the inside and make meaning and kind of except that that chapter of my life, um, while I was going through it, I, I told myself that this was a test from God. Mm -hmm. Hashem wanted me to be this way because I was so angry. I was so angry. Why? Why would Hashem take this away from me? I had all these good things that I wanted to do. And then I told myself, well, 
there's something there's something I need to be learning here and I'm not going to get better until I learn it. So I better mm. I better investigate. And I spent a lot of time investigating the shame that I felt about being ill, uh, which was correlated not to the illness because there's nothing to be ashamed of about being sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was it was about losing the role that was so precious to me. Um, so how did you go about that investigation? Journaling? I mean, w- w- what is that? I just- of writing I wrote a lot of poetry a lot of journalism <laughs> journaling and I, I this is this is what happened I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I would submit my writing to all these different publications and they would say to me Shira we love what you're writing and we love what you're saying but you have to put your name on this because I was asking to be anonymous because uh-huh. I, was, I was so ashamed people didn't know that I was sick you wouldn't have known I was sick until you noticed that you hadn't seen me for a while wait Uh, I I need to ask about this what do you mean people didn't know you were sick you live in a community you're an observant Jewish woman How, how does that happen because because Jewish women very often are relegated to their homes anyway you know not every woman goes to shul and uh you don't necessarily you know i was doing the bare minimum of functioning in society but my closest friends i knew that i, I knew that i was ill but you okay. know okay so your closest people, friends you had their support absolutely absolutely but again for them it was very hard because it's hard to relate to somebody who's chronically ill and when your life is moving and progressing and mine was not mm-hmm. very stale and very stagnant um it's hard to relate and it's hard to understand. And I had friends who were amazing and stood by me and knew when to check in and when to let me be. Um, and then there were some friends that couldn't really handle it. It was too painful for them to see me suffer and they didn't know how to support me. Right. Uh, and so that was challenging for them, uh, which I, I really understood. Right. And very often some of our closest friends are not in the same city as we live in. So that's also, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you're writing, you're journaling, you're you're sharing the story, but you're not really sharing the story because nobody knows who, who who this is happening to. So what happens and next? So I'm being told over and over and over again, Shira, you know, you have something to say, but if you won't stand up and say it, it's not going to help anybody. Um, and so... This is an interesting point. It's helping you, but maybe it's not helping you in the same, in the deep well, way that it's going to help you because yeah, they, really it's not helping others. They also said like, it's not going to be interesting to people. If you won't, if you won't put your name behind this, um, you're kind of perpetuating this situation that you're in. Ah, uh, per- yes. The shame and the silence and all that. On Hanukkah, and two, two years ago, I can't believe it was only two years ago. Hanukkah two years ago, on the second night of Hanukkah, I wrote my first blog post um, about being ill. Mm-hmm. And I put it out there and I, I made meaning of it in the best way that I could, explaining that I, I understood this was a, a, a test of faith. And I called my blog Amuna Balelot, you know, mm-hmm. having darkness, because that's what it felt like to me. Um, and I got within, I, I pushed, I clicked, I clicked publish. Yeah. And my heart is like pounding, 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 pounding. Right. All of a sudden, bing, 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 bing. Like the comments and the messages are flowing in, like overwhelming, just of support. People reaching out saying, you know, I didn't know. Can I be helpful to you? Or, or, you know, saying like, I didn't know. And I also am experiencing something challenging like this. Um, 
And I just remember there sitting there in front of my computer after months and years of being isolated, socially isolated, because I was I was I had isolated myself, just feeling so overwhelmed with gratitude and a connection. And then um, two weeks later, well, within that week, my grandmother passed away. Oh, goodness. And I wrote a, a blog post eulogizing her and sharing what it was like to lose her and sharing my pain. And someone had shared it. And a woman in my community where, where I grew up saw this blog post. And then she was like, oh, let me see what else is on this site. And then she went and she saw the original post. And mm-hmm. she called up my mother. Well, she, she called my mother. Or she called a friend. And she said, I know what's wrong with Shira. I know what she has. My son had this. And within, this is within two weeks, um, I had an accurate diagnosis um, and a new doctor. Um, and I began my recovery. And I believe that it was because I stood up and put it out there, let go of the shame, um, and framed it within the framework of faith. Um, and that's why I believe that I got better. This is unreal. So wait, after how after how long of being misdiagnosed? Five years. Five years. And then you hit publish and within two weeks, you're yeah. on the road to finding recovery. Mm-hmm. And first of all, how did people even find this blog post? I mean, it's not that easy to just find a new... Like, did you put it on social media? Is that what you did? Facebook, yeah. I posted oh, it on okay. My page. Yeah, it was like, it was time. I was just sick of being sick. I was sick of... I was sick of, I, I, I had imprisoned myself in this yes. shame, um, and it was enough. Did you, did you, did you at all worry about how it would affect your children or your husband? Anything, did anything like that cross your mind? No, because I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. Because being in a secret was hurting my husband and my mm-hmm. children. Because they couldn't have the support that they needed. Yes. My husband had to keep my secret. And that was very, very challenging for him because he needed support. And so um, basically what happened was um, I continued writing on this blog for a few months and I started and went, and then I, and I got better within, by the summertime, I was already significantly better. Um, and I, and all I wanted to do, and I was a social worker by training, but all I wanted to do was make beautiful things. I wanted to be, I wanted to capture memories. I wanted to live life. I wanted to be out there. I also wanted to do something physically active, mm-hmm. um, to challenge myself to in, in my recovery and to be as physically active as I could. Um, and so I started a photography business. Um, did you know photography before? Uh, no, I mean, I had I had studied it while I was sick. It was like something that I took up because <laughs> I was relegated to kind of the quiet of being ill and um, photography. You can kind of sit, study light, and study beautiful things, and um, it, it was it was a really good. It was really cathartic for me, and so I had developed the skill set, and I was like, okay, I'll take it to the next level. Uh-huh. Um, so I started pushing out this photography business, and it was going really well. But it felt like by January, I felt like I wasn't quite there yet. I felt like I hadn't landed where I was supposed to be. Like this was an introduction to something else. And I, so I said to myself, oh, well, maybe I should make a 
like a photojournalism project. I was really interested in photojournalism. Maybe, maybe I'll do something. And I'm racking my brain trying to find a topic. And I was like, I know. I know what I need to be doing. I need to be interviewing Jewish women. Mm-hmm. And I basically came to this conclusion that um, why don't I give back to what was given to me? Meaning not everybody is going to write a blog, but they might be willing to be profiled to share their story um, and then receive this kind of outpouring of support and connection and healing. Uh, It'd be healing for them. It'd be healing for them to take control of their own narratives and also healing for the audience to talk about things that need to be spoken about. Um, And so I started this process and it it was it, it 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 was everything that I hoped it would be, and it felt like it was so but shared. Like I had experienced all these things, so I could bring catharsis and healing to other people. Um, and so when we launched our magazine, we launched it on the second night of Hanukkah, which was the second anniversary of the first time that I took this step. Um, and so that's that's how the Layers Project was born. That's that's such an incredible story. She wrote you 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 dug into the shame and you kept telling me about the shame and I think it's probably something that a lot of people could relate to. But where did you discover the, what was was there a source? Can we pinpoint a source to the shame? You mentioned that you're a perfectionist, so try to connect the dots for me a little bit. Sure, absolutely. Um, in our community. Women especially, but men have a lot of pressures too. Yes. But the pressures for women are very specific in the Tell sense us. you need to have a career. Most people have, many, many people have a career, especially in the Jewish communities where we live. You really require a dual income to just afford to live. Um, not that there's, not that anybody has any stigma against being a stay at home mom, but just to afford to live in many Jewish communities, a dual income is required. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to have a profession. You need to be an amazing mom. You need to have a whole bunch of kids. You need to be a, an amazing wife. Your house has to be clean. You have to cook, <laughs> make all the cooking and you have to, there's endless, you, you're a daughter, you're a sister and, and, and our, our families are so close knit. There's just endless responsibility, endless burden, endless um, claims on your time. Um, and... I wasn't living up to it. Mm-hmm. I had, I, I just wasn't living up to it. I had developed PCOS in the midst of all of this. And so I was experiencing secondary infertility as a result. Um, I was not physically strong. So there were a lot of things that I could not do. I was very weak. I couldn't do, all, I, I couldn't do all the cooking and all the cleaning and all the, all the, all the energy that I had, I reserved for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that my children lost much in the process, but because every, literally every ounce of what anything that I had, I gave to them, but I didn't give anything to me or to I your, or, or to your husband, probably. Well, that was, he, he had to, it wasn't that I wasn't giving to him, but he had to devote a significant amount of time and effort. he was a caregiver. Right. He literally was a caregiver. Um, and so as somebody, I know in terms of role, I grew, I'm the oldest child in my family. I'm the oldest daughter. I'm the oldest granddaughter. I was always uh-huh. active and, and doing for others. And it had to stop. It all just stopped in its tracks. Right. Couldn't participate in the way that I wanted to. And I'm a 
passionate person. And I, and it just, it all, the energy that it took to be passionate, I couldn't even maintain. So, so let's, 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 let's flip it to now. You're, you're healed. You're doing the layers. Give us a picture of what your life is like now. Um, the, the renewal. I want to hear about the renewal. So it's amazing. Um, now I run the Layers Project magazine. I'm the CEO and publisher. You're still living in the same com- Jewish community, right? Still the same community. Um, we have a staff um, of editors and clinical directors and interns, and I manage the staff. I manage the business. I'm writing. I'm going everywhere and photographing. One of the big things was um, I always wanted to return to Israel. That was always Israel. I'm so passionate about Israel and being sick. But one of the hardest things was that I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. My brother made Aliyah three years ago. And <laughs> before he left, I wrote him this kind of like devastating poem, Aww. kind of describing to him how painful it was that I, I couldn't visit him. I was afraid that his life would go on and I wouldn't be a part of it. Wow. Where um, are your parents, Shira? So my parents just made Aliyah this summer. My sister just made Aliyah this summer. You have to imagine uh-huh. my family's trajectory was to Israel. And I was too sick to get on an airplane. And so it, this was very painful for me. And so I worked and I worked and I worked in terms of rebuilding my strength. And um, for the first time in 11 years, um, I made it back to Israel this, this fall I went to visit my parents and my sister and my brother. Um, and then my brother got, got married in January and we went back. Wow, mazel tov. And um, we actually filmed this video. I call it uh, Redeemed by Tzion, where um, I share a piece of writing um, about how I used to dream about going back to the hotel. And being back in Yerushalayim and how it was a dream. And um, it was something that I had written when I was sick. And we filmed um, my the, the first time I took my daughter to the hotel. Wow. And superimposed this poem, this dream, this daydream. And basically showed the transition between this daydream and it becoming memory. Um, and it was so utterly profound for me. I honestly did it for me. I mean, it was very well received, but it was something that I, it was, it was the first like piece of art that I created in this way. Um, and it was so utterly profound for me and so meaningful. And even now when I'm having a hard time or I have a bad day, you know, I watch this video and it's, it, it's the end of the video. The end of the poem is basically, you know, talking about the sweetness of, of redemption, personal redemption, national redemption. Um, I actually call it the the video where I take my cute kid to the hotel and I cry. Because <laughs> the end, you know, I'm like sobbing in front of the hotel while I'm diving <laughs> and my kid's really like looking at it like it's like literally made of gold and it's very sweet. Um, but is it uh, on the Layers Project website? Yeah, it's, it's on our it's on our website. It's on our <laughs> Facebook page. It's called Redeemed by Zion. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's a great video. Um, and so it was just, a, yes, go on. Sorry. So Shira, you, 
how do you, you, you travel to take these pictures and you talked about even from the very beginning, you really wanted to capture, um, the facial look at the, you know, have the, have your, your profiled person looking at the camera. How do you control the photography? I mean, you can't possibly travel everywhere you get a person, right? This is a question. Um, thus far, I have done most of the photography. We've done 25 profiles in the last year. Um, two of them have been done by other photographers. One was actually my profile, um, where I share the story of the birth of the project, which is how we launched the magazine. Um, and then another one, um, was done actually because there was a snowstorm in the location where I was supposed to go. And, um, so someone filled in for me and they did tremendous, beautiful work. Um, I think that going forward in the future, depending on where the stories take place, uh, we're going to have residential photographers in that area. I think I'm always going to uh, conduct the interviews and write the interviews, but um, definitely we're going to have input from other photographers. We'd love to have input from other photographers. I think the, the Layers Project magazine is actually successful because of our photojournalism. Right. Um, because it's, an, it's another element that other magazines don't have necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so we're always looking to expand that content. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and it's such a big part of what you do. I mean, the quality of the photography and as a blogger myself, I know that is so important. So that's why I asked the question. I, I, I think it's amazing. Once you get to that point where you're going to be expanding other places and involving other photographers, I mean, that's just awesome. Um, Shira, now your life is more public. Um, it was helpful to your husband. Um, but, but still, how does, um, how does your family feel? feel about you know this more public life let's say um, which family your parents your siblings your spouse oh they're thrilled oh okay okay you're suggesting that they wouldn't be thrilled because i disclosed that i had been sick um I, I don't know i don't know maybe there's mixed feelings maybe there was resistance maybe that I, I don't know um no cool <laughs> um they i think that everybody feels like i'm in my element i love it i love uh, it and i've made a full recovery i mean i still have bad days just like anybody else would um but uh, <laughs> you know, they, they're just so they're my life has become meaningful again. It's such an incredible it's, turnaround. It's like literally it's flipped. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> my husband always said that once I begun the process of recovery, I would be like, I always describe myself as like being a car, like with an engine that was turned on that was locked behind a garage door. <laughs> car just like sits there and it sits there and it sits there. And it's kind of just like stewing. Yeah. <laughs> like waiting it's like ready to like when the door opens it's just ready to shot at shoot out that's what i was like all these years um my my brain was as creative as ever but i just didn't have the energy to act on it so then when i got the energy back i kind of took off i like shot out of the garage door like 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 very quickly um and i do things very quickly like i decided in november to launch the magazine and by the middle of december it was launched good for Um, you it's crazy um we had built we had built out a whole staff and built a whole organization within six weeks um that's just how i function and um my family is thrilled that's great i'm alive and well and doing what I love and making meaning and doing something meaningful and helping other people. And so that's un- in terms of the, the, 
disclosing of illness. Um, I think they're very proud of me. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can only imagine. I mean, it's, it's really an unbelievable story. What are the women who the 25 women who we've heard about what the community at large has responded yeah. and very positively and how it's helped them? Do you get feedback from those 25 participants? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's a tremendous experience being being profiled. I'll tell you why. First off, we don't often in life have the opportunity to take control of our narratives in a public space. Mm. I had a lot of women who I profiled say to me, you know, people say things about me, whether it's someone who had been newly divorced and people, oh, what happened in their marriage or about body image or about health, about fertility, whatever it is. People talk. People are yentas. They talk. <laughs> uh, you know, it's true. And so this was an opportunity for women to say, this is what really happened. This is what my life is like. Not only is this what my life is like, but this is the emotional experience behind it. And and people learn. The audience learns. I've I had so much feedback from women saying like, I never knew anything about this topic and now my eyes are opened and I'm going to be more sensitive going forward. Yes. For the women being profiled, it's very cathartic to just put it out there and let go of the shame. And what happens is the they get so much positive feedback um, from the community in a supportive way, but also people reach out to them looking for guidance, looking like, you know, mm. people who do similar things. Now they can be a light unto others. Exactly. Um, I know myself, when I finally told my story on the project, I was in December, so one of the last ones, um, 10 women reached out to me saying, I think I had what you had. Can you help me? What? And seven of those women are on their way to recovery. Oh no joke. Oh my gosh, that is unbelievable. That's such a nice time again with all these different topics that we're touching. Um, people are making connections with other women who've gone through similar experiences. Taboos are being kind of pushed to the side and stigma is being broken down. And these women are becoming what I call celebrities. Like <laughs> people that will recognize them. Like <laughs> I had a, somebody who participated in the infertility series, she moved to a new community and she met someone at Kiddish and she's like, Oh, you know, you look so familiar. Do I remember from, from school? Do you <laughs> Oh, whatever she goes. And she walked away and she came back. She goes, I know you. You're from the Lairs Project. Oh my gosh. And so they get recognized in places and um, people just share. I know for me, wherever I go, people are disclosing personal, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I feel like you're someone who can understand. And I think what's happening is there's just not enough of that in our communities where people feel safe to be, to admit that their lives aren't perfect. Nobody's lives are perfect. And most people pretend like they're, they are. Um, and so people are just kind of breaking down people who are exposed to this or, or in our layers community are kind of like breaking down these barriers and reaching out to each other and sharing and strengthening. And it's so validating for someone to be like, Hey, I don't have what you have, or I do have what you have, but um, I'm also going through something tough. And so your feelings are validated and, and it's very normalizing. And in a community where everything is, we have to be perfect for our shidduchim and, and, <laughs> perfect, you know, for, for to, to seem like a perfect family. And that's our values. And it's just not, it's not real. It's not productive. And it sure is not healthy. 
Hashtag let's get real, right? Yeah, that's a good hashtag. <laughs> that's like what that. we need to do. <laughs> See, it. we created it, Shira, right here. Yeah. I, I love it. Now, having said that, as a photojournalist, you must get a, sometimes stories that, you know, might be great or whatever, but maybe it's not the angle that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, does, has that ever happened and how do you manage it? What are the angles you're looking for? All the time. I always say um, I have an agenda uh, with every story that I tell. I get hundreds of submissions. I have an intake file that's like crazy thick that I had to hire an intern <laughs> to, to to sort through and to organize for me. Um, lots of women want to tell their stories. Um, but it says on our submissions page, um, and I and I stand by this, that not every story benefits from being told. Mm-hmm. There's, number one, not every personality can handle this. It's very public. It'll be read by thousands and thousands of people. Um, you're exposing yourself in a really vulnerable way. Whatever you're telling us, whatever this challenge is, even if you're in the middle of it, you have to have processed it already. I am a therapist, but I'm not your therapist. This is not therapy. This is something that has to be processed in the past so that you can make healthy meaning for it in the future and create a healthy experience for you and the audience mm-hmm. this is for someone who's stuck in the middle of a traumatic event. Um, yes, it's not I good. think that's key. No, you, yes. you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. It's not healthy. Um, so I'm extremely selective about the stories that I will tell extremely selective. Um, I'm also very cognizant of the fact that when you offer some a reader pain, you also have to offer them comfort. That doesn't mean that every story has to have an happy ending because many stories do not. But I think it's important for our audience. If the reason why we're telling the story is to help them make meaning and to help them have a healthy emotional experience and to break down a stigma, but learn from it. The, the person being profiled has to have made that meaning, that healthy meaning. Um, and that in itself provides comfort. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. It, whether it's faith, whether it's acceptance, whether it's kind of like a gracious sharing, looking for connectivity, um, that has to be made already for me to want to tell that story. Right. Because audience needs it. And frankly, I need it because I'm living in that story for a week when I'm telling it. It's like 24 hours a day, the photographs, the images, I interview them and then I I record the interview and then I listen to it again and then I I write it verbatim and then I edit it for clarity. But um, I'm living in that story for a week. And so if it's just just like an open gaping wound of pain, it doesn't help anybody and, and, and it's it's too painful. It's too painful to share. It's not ready to be shared. It's it's not a source of light yet. It will one day. <laughs> it, it, it will be one day. But um, I'm very selective. So that was a great question. Very selective. So who who who's your audience right now? Who are these Jewish women who are reading the Layers Project magazine? Okay, ninety one percent of our followers are Orthodox women between the ages of 24 and 40 on all and all, all all spectrum of orthodoxy from Hasidish to uh, yeshivish to modern to very modern right but you're not just profiling people in those communities necessarily just happens not necessarily. actually specifically um we have no the layers project magazine is non-denominational and apolitical mm-hmm. um it is a source that of human experience without labels so 
if I'm interviewing a modern Orthodox woman from Teaneck, New Jersey, mm-hmm. you will not know where she is from. You will not know how she identifies. You will maybe make your own conclusions based on the way that she looks. But all you need to know is she's a Jewish woman. And if you're a Jewish woman, that that sameness is enough to connect to understand a human experience. And that's the point. Uh, for me, I feel like there's a lot of synachinam in the world. And I feel like even in even in our Orthodox communities, in, in the in the little spaces that divide us, um, there's just there's just not enough understanding. And so if we strip ourselves of these labels and we tell human human stories that can apply to anybody, um, then we can come closer together as a community, as a nation. Um, as people. And um, I think we'd all be better for it. You almost want to make me (laughs) have more people from outside these communities read the Layers Project magazine, because there's also so many lines of division from lack of knowledge. Absolutely. And 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 we do have plenty of readers. We absolutely do. And we want them. We absolutely want them. Um, And we want to tell their stories, too, because on the other side, there's a lot of Orthodox people that would love, need to learn more about what that lifestyle is like. But it's not even about lifestyle. It's not about religion. It's, it's about, not about the experience. Reality. They're having it too. Yeah, it's about being a human. human. It's about being a woman. You could be experienced in fertility. You could be Hasidish. You could be reform. It doesn't really matter. Right. You know? But if you have something to share that's meaningful, that can help the other person, if we strip ourselves of the labels, then you'll be able to access that truth that we can share together. Absolutely beautiful, Shira. Absolutely beautiful. I'm, I'm a big fan. Shira, let's do something fun that I do at the end of all my interviews. And this sure. is called JLP fill in the blanks. And this is where I give you an open ended sentence and you fill it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Oh, so nervous. Okay. I think you'll be great at it. So let's do it. I'm Shira Lankin Sheps and I feel most spiritual when. That is a really good question. I feel most spiritual when I listen to music. When I'm at a like a when I'm when I'm singing, when I'm listening to music, um, Jewish music specifically, um, that's when I feel the most. That's when my soul wakes up. I love it. It's so. Yeah. It's it's. A, what did the author Rebbe say? That the nigun is the pen of the soul. It's the highest form of, of art in terms of its spirituality. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. My, listen, my name is Shira, so you yes. know. It's just, it's it's innate to me. But um, that, especially singing with other women, um, with beautiful harmonies, it's it's its own special form of tefillah. It actually, for me, I... I can access, I don't know, spiritual spaces that I cannot access on my own or, or, um, and, and it's very rare actually to be in a group of women and singing like that, or even just, a, you know, I, like, I love like a good, a good, like Friday night spiritual minion where they're singing like, Oh, I get that. That's like the recharge that I need for like my whole week. That's like unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it is. I, I could totally relate. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is. Hmm. I just had another guest tell me that it's so beautiful yeah i think it's um it's just a very universal um it, it's it's basically describing empathy yeah and describing what you're doing professionally now which is amazing yeah, yeah. my fondest sweetest jewish memory is oh it's definitely going to be something with my family with my grandparents who are holocaust survivors and um just kind of the transmission of so many years of the transmission of their traditions and their culture and um uh they were it was just a their my grandparents were so formative in my life and it's definitely all them <laughs> they are they are you know them and my parents and my siblings my family is is the the root of my yiddishkeit and so um i just i really um i feel so connected 
to the transmission of whatever they gave to us. Shira, where did you grow up? Oh, <laughs> I grew up in a lot. My Actually, my father was a conservative rabbi when I was growing up. Uh-huh. So I was born in Philadelphia. I grew up till I was nine in Long Island and West Hempstead. And then I moved to Miami Beach. Oh, I nice. lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then I spent the rest of my adolescence in Highland Park, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, we call a, a PK, a preacher's kid, you know, where the rabbis, they move around and they you schlep, they, you know, they get schlepped along with them. <laughs> so, so wait, so you grew up in a conservative household. And then when did the transition to orthodoxy happen? So um, I grew up in a very traditional conservative household. Um, so like non-egalitarian uh, meaning that women weren't participating in the services in the same way they do now. Um, and we were Shomer Shabbat mainly at home. Because um, again, it was very traditional. Um, when I was 11 or 12, I got involved in NCSY. Mm-hmm. And as a preacher's kid, as they say, you spend a lot of time in shul. Um, and in the conservative movement at the time, or the shuls that we were, that my father was the rabbi of, it was dying. The, there was no spirituality for me there that I connected to. Maybe other people did, but I didn't connect to anything there. Um, and I went to NCSY um, and I, I felt that spark. I mean, there was, there was sparks in my home because my parents were are deeply spiritual people. They, they would sing and they would have Zmiros and they would have guests. Um, but it wasn't like communal in a sense. It yeah. was family. It was with my grandparents and my siblings and my parents, and that was beautiful and sacred to me. So that was my basis. And I always went to yeshiva because um, my parents wanted me to have a Jewish education. I always went to yeshiva. Um, but then when I went to NCSY, all of a sudden this like spark inside of me like lit up. Um, and when I moved to um, Highland Park, I was 11 years old. And it's honestly, it, it's totally natural. I mean, I went to yeshiva like the expectation, like the expect, like the, the the cognitive dissonance between like living a conservative life outside and then being educated in an orthodox way is just not obviously something has got to give. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So my parents would walk to the conservative synagogue and I would walk to the orthodox shul a block over. Um, and over the years, my parents came on over and. Um, <laughs> They left the conservative movement. My dad was actually the head of the conservative movement in New Jersey. And he left the conservative movement. Um, and all my siblings went to very firm institutions. And my parents are very religious. They, they live um, they live in um, in Hashmonaim now. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of the story. Was- Shira, look at you. You're a total t- trailblazer. I mean, come on. you. This is unbelievable. Well, I mean, it's, it's amazing. My, what's amazing is my parents are ever evolving, um, unbelievable, unbelievably capable of accepting change. Most people don't like change. Mm. Always growing, always changing, always evolving, and so comfortable with it. And they embrace it. They embrace their spirituality. And a lot of people aren't like that. And so I'm not going to take credit for their um, their choices and their evolution um, because they were always deep, deeply spiritual. They just went to the places where they found that spirituality. Um, and my father um, was a conservative rabbi, but then he went and he got a doctorate and another degree so that he could leave leave that professional sphere and move on and do other things. And those are his choices. And I won't take credit for them because um, they I don't deserve to take credit for them. They're they. Um, and my siblings, too. My siblings chose to where they wanted to go to school. And as a family, um, 
we have like a really beautiful, everybody is very, it's actually very unusual. And we're all very similar, not necessarily in temperament, but in, in, in the things that we love and the things that we're passionate about. And I absolutely attribute that to my parents who are very passionate people and instilled tremendous values in us. Um, and so I will not take credit for any of their, any of their, you know, it evolution. Sounds, it sounds like um, such a beautiful family, Shira. So beautiful. How many siblings? I have uh, three, I have a sister and I have two brothers. Nice. Something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is? <sighs> something I had wished I had learned. Hmm. Like something I know now, you mean? Yeah. Something you know now and in hindsight. Ah! <laughs> well, this is just, <laughs> this is just particular to my derech of learning, Torah. Tell us. I, that when I was a child, I understood the difference between Midrash and Pshat. Mm. That is something that I wished I knew. Um, for me personally, um, I connected to Torah in a much deeper, stronger, rooted way when I read the Pshat as it was, as opposed to the way that Chazal portrayed the characters in the story. Um, it made them realer and more authentic and more human um, and considering the work that I do, I guess it's not surprising, but um, I related to those characters much stronger because I think, in my opinion, when you think that somebody is perfect, you don't necessarily feel like you can achieve a level of perfection. And so you feel like you can't, you can never attain their levels. Not you can attain the levels of the people of the Torah, but um, to know that someone is imperfect means that you can be good and be imperfect too. And so as a human, we are imperfect. And so um, that that felt like Torah could be more relatable to me, could be stronger, deeply rooted in me because I am un imperfect. What a cool answer. When I give tzedakah, I'd like to give to? Oh, New Jersey Yachad. <laughs> what is New Jersey Yachad? Okay, so Yachad is uh, the special needs organization um, that... Uh, is is run by the Orthodox Union here in America, um, and they also have in Israel. And so New Jersey Yachad is actually where I had my first placement when I was in social work school, mm. and I've with them all these years. They actually just honored my husband and I at the gala this fall, um, and they are an incredible organization. They are running amazing programs and offering amazing services for uh, for children and young adults with um, mental and physical disabilities. Um, and they, they're just an amazing, an amazing crew. That's amazing. I'm going to make sure to put, put the link to that if anybody's yes, interested. Please, in do. please do. Awesome. Okay. And finally, I'm Shira Lankin-Sheps and today I'm most grateful for. Uh, today, today I am most grateful to be getting older. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I think that there's a big shift. I I turned 30 last year, and I think that there's a big shift from your 20s to your 30s. And, um, you know, even just looking in the mirror and, and seeing the fine lines and <laughs> finding a gray hair. You know, I found a gray, gray hair recently, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm finding a gray hair. And um, I am just so immeasurably grateful to be getting older and to be seeing signs of age and wellness um, and to be living a full life, being a mother and a wife 
and uh, professional and to be making a difference and to be doing meaningful work. I really feel like the work that I am doing is synthesizing all of my strengths and all of my passions and to be getting older is just, it's a blessing and life is getting better and better. And so I, I'm very grateful to Akash Baruch for that privilege. Wow. So, so cool. And just wait till you turn 40. It gets better. I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm loving getting older. I can't wait. It gets better. Something happens after you turn 40 where you are so absolutely comfortable in your skin, although you are now. So I I can't even imagine what's going to be for you, but it's going to be amazing. But um, what? I can't wait. I'm very, I'm, I, I, I've noticed that myself that like I, as I get older, I mean, obviously I've made significant transition, but as I get older, I get more comfortable and I understand my own, myself, my challenges and I embrace them and knowing all your parts and accepting them is something that comes with age. Um, and I'm, really deeply involved in that journey and grateful to be so and the truth is if you think about it this is a jewish value i mean we uh, contrary to popular culture and society which you know it doesn't value age we actually value age um so never thought that way yes all right shira you've done an amazing job i'm so thrilled that we got to connect i am so thrilled that everybody got to know a lot more about the layers project magazine so tell us where we found you found the layers project magazine and you have a special code for us yes okay so um you can find us at on facebook on on instagram or on twitter um, you could check out our website, thelayersprojectmagazine.com. And um, we're going to have a special code for your listeners, JLP. Uh, you'll get um, the price will go from $7.99 for a subscription to $5, which is a great deal. Uh, come join our community. Be a part of this process. You might even see L there. So <laughs> be a part of our community um, and this incredible healing work that the community is doing because it's not me it's this community effort um to connect to reach out to break stigma to be together um and to live good lives come join us Shira Lanking Sheps so proud of you so awesome everybody the Layers Project magazine check go to the Layers Project magazine and subscribe and get five dollars off your monthly subscription with the code JLP at checkout Shira thank you thank you so much Yael Thanks again to Shira Landing Chefs for stopping by. Again, the website is thelayersprojectmagazine.com. Get your monthly subscription to The Layers Project Magazine at a discounted rate from $7.99 a month to $5 a month using the code JLP at checkout. Shira is on Facebook and Instagram at The Layers Project, and she's on Twitter at The Layers Mag. 50th episode, everyone. I can't believe it. It's been such a fun ride. Thank you for being here with me. Be in touch to suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman that you'd like to see featured on the show and i'm open for speaking engagements in the fall and winter of 2018 so if you're planning an event for your community or for an organization you're involved with well let me know i'd love to visit you can go to jewishlatinprincess.com and click on the about page and check out some of my signature talks or send me an email at yael at jewish latin princess have a great week thanks for listening to jewish latin princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.